It's the Krusty Burglar! Oh my god, he's stealing all the burgers! Why, you little... I got you! Oh, it's, it's all, it's all just, just an act. <laughs> oh, do not worry. We will explain why, or I'll explain why I decided to start the show with that clip. Uh, but welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley. This is my favorite show because it's Friday. I mean, not like this one in particular, but I love the Friday shows because it's Friday and there's always usually a ton of data at the end of the week versus the beginning of the week. And in this case, man, there was a lot that happened on Thursday and we're gonna get to all of it. And we're gonna start with the big reports that really kind of kicked off the day, let you know what kind of day it was gonna be. And that was the housing construction report from the Census Bureau. And it wasn't good. There's no way of sugarcoating it. It wasn't good. It was a bad report across. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. There was one silver lining. There was one, one. But for the most part, the top line number, not good. And the top line number is housing starts. That always gets all the attention. Everyone's looking to it. It gives you a good idea of what's happening with housing construction. And housing starts in May were down 14.4% from the previous month. And now that's bad, but what makes it even worse is they were projecting a 6% decline. So everyone already knew we were going to see a reduction in housing construction. They didn't think it was going to, I mean, that, that's that's more than twice as bad as they thought. That's not a good number. So not only is it a bad number, it's even worse than everyone was. So it's even worse. Uh, housing starts were actually down also year over year, 3.5%. So they're at an annual rate of about 1.5 million. And looking at the single family category, which of course is the most popular category, they were down 9.2% in May and down 4.2% from one year ago. So across the board, no sugarcoating it, housing starts, bad number. So what about the other one that gets all the building permits, gets all the attention? Building permits didn't fare much better. (laughs) They also were worse than expected, despite the fact that there was still a positive year. So month over month, privately owned housing units authorized by building permits fell 7% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of just under 1.7 million. And economists had projected a drop, but only 2.1%. So once again, over, in this case, over three times as bad, (laughs) so maybe even worse, even though the overall number was actually smaller. Uh, And building permits, though, were up 0.2% year over year. And then, of course, the all-important single-family category fell 5.5% month over month and was down 7.4% from one year ago. So building permits and housing starts, just bad report. So that kicked off the day, and let's just say it was already a bad day. The Dow was down 600 points 
before the clock struck 1130 in New York and it just stayed down all day, falling under 30,000 for the first time since I think January 22nd. So not good. And then you get this housing data. And so everyone says, okay, here it is. Here's the slowing economy. Here's that recession. So I mentioned a silver lining. There was one, if you can call it that, some positive numbers from the report. Privately owned housing completions were up 9.1% month over month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.46 million year over year, also up 9.3%. And then of course, the all important single family category, positive as well, up 2.8% and up 6.6% year over year. So if you're looking for your silver lining, there it is. And that is great because what's the problem that we're having right now in housing? Well, obviously rates are an issue in home prices, but inventory levels. One of the reasons why prices keep skyrocketing is because demand is higher than supply and have been for a while. And now we're seeing demand drop with rates and now we're seeing more inventory. So the fact that we saw completions increase, because what's the big problem builders are having? They have all these homes that are unfinished. In fact, Jerome Powell even mentioned this in his speech on Wednesday. He said, listen, there's a lot of unfinished homes out there. And when they hit the market, and he didn't, I don't know if he completed his sentence or not, but I think he, we all knew what he meant, which was we're going to see more inventory, which should help put downward pressure on prices. And so the fact that we're already seeing evidence of an increase in completions, I'll take that as good news. But all in all, it was not a good report. <laughs> and what's so, and this is what's so frustrating about a report like this is because we all know, everyone that's in real estate knows how underbuilt we are. We need more homes. And this is not dissimilar. I mean, to me, this is this parallel to what's happening with gas prices. So gas prices are skyrocketing because we have way more demand than we have supply. But if you remember just five years ago, it was the exact opposite. We had a ton of oil available thanks to the amazing technology that we have seen take place. The oil shale boom that we saw in the early 2010s. And then of course is paying, it was paying off by the mid 2010s, so much so that the prices of oil had plummeted, which then unfortunately made drilling and refining and everything else unprofitable. And so a lot of companies went out of business. And so they got a business and then all of a sudden demand keeps rising and rising. Well, of course, 2020 was a very peculiar situation, but slowly demand started rising back up because all these companies went bankrupt and they weren't making uh, oil available anymore. And now all of a sudden we've reached a place where uh oh, we have way too much demand, not enough supply. And so what, what, what are we hoping is going to happen? Companies are going to go, ooh, now it's profitable to be in that business. So they start putting money in. They start investing in technologies. There's more drilling. There's more refining. And then all of a sudden the price of oil drops and all of a sudden it becomes unprofitable again. <laughs> and that's what's so frustrating about what's happening in housing because we were underbuilt for so long and then all of a sudden it became profitable to build and it still is because of where home prices are but now all of a sudden people are worried there's not going to be buyers because of where rates are 
And so now all of a sudden builders are like, well, maybe we're not going to build. And it's like, no, now we got to build. You have to build. <laughs> Please build because demand will come back. And it's still there. I mean, it's not like we're seeing this epic giant slowdown in housing. And even what's crazy is if you look at the numbers and there's a chart here. So if you're watching the um, the podcast, I'll see if I can put the chart up. Let me see if I can get on the camera. I mean, that's we're elevated for the last like five years. If you're looking at a five year chart, we are still elevated over that five year timeline. But we're just down from the record highs that we have recently or maybe not record, but numbers we haven't seen in decades. And so we're down from that. And so this is a bad report. It'll be worse if it continues. If we keep seeing housing starts drop, that's what's going to be bad. But this report and then things level off. So I mean, we're still building homes, 1.5 million homes. Sure, I'd like to see two, three million homes being built. But 1.5, that's not bad. That's definitely not bad. So if we can hold that number, that's not bad. If it starts dropping and all of a sudden we're under a million, that's what's going to be problematic. But it's a conundrum. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's profitable to build. Everyone wants to build. But the problem is when you build and you get oversupply, then all of a sudden price drops and it becomes less profitable. It's one of those dastardly things about economics, <laughs> supply and demand. You want a good balance. You know, that's that's what you want. You want the both consumer and producer to be a winner at the end of the day. But it's very easy for those things to become unbalanced. And of course, one of the reasons why builders are concerned about what's going to happen with demand is what is happening with rates. It has not been a good week for rates. Okay. We all know that it has not been a good week. We had the inflation report report come out the end of last week, freaked everyone out. The beginning of this week uh, was also was horrific. And then Jerome Powell spoke and all of a sudden things got a little better, but still overall, it has not been a good week for rates. And so today, or excuse me, I should say on Thursday, <laughs> I got to keep the theater up. On Thursday, we got, as always, the Freddie Mac report, uh, their weekly survey looking at mortgage rates. So this is Freddie Mac's data. This is what they are pegging rates at. This is the, you know their weekly survey. They're you know, figuring out, because we you know rates fluctuate day to day, hour to hour. And so they're looking at all this data and they go, here is where the rate is for the week. And so a lot of times, you know, when this report comes out, you're looking at actual real-time data and it's either higher or lower. But this is where Freddie Mac is saying rates are. And they have the 30-year fixed for this week at 5.78%. And that is a 55 basis point jump from just last week. I'm not talking six months. I'm not talking a year, a week. Rates, according to Freddie Mac, are now almost 300 basis points higher than they were one year ago. Wow. I mean, that's really all you can, it's just, wow. <laughs> when you see that number. And it's funny because you talk to people who've been in the business for a lot longer than I have. And they're like, yeah, 6%. That's just, you know, I think that's back in 2000. So just 20 years ago. But for people who don't remember that and they just used to 3 4% rates to 
be talking about 6%? <laughs> You're just like, wait, what? <laughs> Interest rates can't be 6%. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in, the, in this economy. Uh, the 15-year fixed, Freddie Mac had it at 4.81%, which was 43 basis points higher and 257 basis points higher than one year ago. So, yeah, I mean, just big jumps. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no other way to say it. It's just not been a good week for rates. Uh, and Sam Cater, Freddie Mac's chief economist, said the 50 BIP jump was the biggest increase in 45 years. <laughs> so that, like, like I told you, that 55 basis point jump, they've never seen anything like that at least in the last 45 years. Cater saying in a statement, mortgage rates surged as the 30-year fixed rate mortgage moved up more than half a percentage point, marking the largest one-week increase in our survey since 1987. These higher rates are the results. Oh, and by the way, that is 45 years ago. I know I always bring this up, but a lot of people like me forget because I see 1987 and I do what? I say, that was 13 years ago. That's no, 45 years ago. It's not 2000 anymore. These higher rates are the result of a shift in expectations about inflation and the course of monetary policy. Higher mortgage rates will lead to to uh, moderation. I almost said modernization. Like, that doesn't make sense. Moderation from the blistering pace of housing activity that we have experienced coming out of the pandemic, ultimately resulting in a more balanced housing market because remember that is what this is all about everyone realized we had way too few houses i mean that's just evident i mean look at any stat we are historically underbuilt and because our government or the central bank i know they're they're private but they're part of the government we we all know that (laughs) i mean they are (laughs) um technically they they can't do anything about supply. They, you know, they, they don't build houses. The Federal Reserve doesn't build houses. The U.S. government doesn't build houses. So all they can do is deal with the demand side. And so if they can't build supply, what can they do? They can depress demand. And so that's what this is all about. It's about them depressing demand, slowing the housing market so we don't get a bubble and we don't get a popping bubble like we saw in 2007, 2008. We, don't, we want to avoid that. And so the Fed's like, all right, fine, we're raising rates. The market is responding by raising rates and we're cooling things off. And so when people go, oh my gosh, they've made it so people can't buy homes. That's kind of the point. It's not the point that they'll never be able to buy a home. No one wants that. What they are doing though, is they want fewer people to be able to buy a home. That's the reality of the situation right now. Now, what they're hoping is that as things cool off, prices cool off, the economy cools off. We get kind of a reset, as Jerome Powell mentioned in his speech on Wednesday. Then, all of a sudden, rates drop. All of a sudden, that house becomes more affordable. The economy gets better. People maybe have a little bit more money in their pocket, and now they can buy a home. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is we let the housing market continue to be overheated. We possibly get a bubble. It bursts, and things are bad. And I mean, it would not be 2008 because that was just such a black swan event, but we don't want to have an asset bubble, no matter how big it is. And so the Fed is dealing with demand. So remember, that is what the Fed is doing. So when people go, oh my gosh, housing is now on a, well, it's supposed to be on a, that's what they're doing. They're trying 
to dissuade people from buying a home just for now, (laughs) not forever. They're not like you're never going to be able to buy a home now. They're saying for now, we don't want you to buy a home. And of course, you can look at what's happening with this other data that can tell you why rates are doing what they're doing. Uh, We got the mortgage-backed securities this week. They were down. 242 basis points this week. And remember, mortgage-backed securities, the way they work, prices drop, rates move up. That's the way all bonds work. Prices drop, rates go up. So when you see something drop 242 basis points, you can understand why rates went the way they went. Uh, And then the 10-year yield, which is somewhat, you know, it's not directly pegged, but they do move in tandem. The 10-year yield was up 32 basis points this week to 3.34% on Thursday's open. But here's the real, real kicker. And it's um, it's just nuts. Black Knight, this is, uh, now I, I follow Bill McBride on Twitter and he actually has a blog called Calculated Risk Blog and he has a Substack. And I bring that up because this guy's pretty smart. I mean, he watches housing way more than I do. And he knows way more than I do. And I actually, I, I looked at his stuff a lot. And he was like one of the original housing bloggers from back. He was one of the guys that actually called 2000, the bubble in 2008. So this is someone to look at. Um, when you're not listening to me <laughs> or watching me read Bill McBride. So I, I first saw him point this out and I didn't see anything on Black Knight's website. So he might've gotten some data from them somehow. He's connected, dude. Black Knight put out a release on how this parabolic rise in rates could impact refis, (laughs) if they even still exist. So they said just 40, or excuse me, 472,000 refi opportunities from May. (laughs) 400 throughout the country. Not like one state, like the whole country. There are 472,000 properties that it would make sense to refi. I'd love to know why that is. I mean, I guess, well, let's see, a 30-year mortgage. So, yeah, I guess maybe some people bought back in the 90s when rates were higher and they just never refied. (laughs) Throughout any of the refi booms, I guess, they just didn't want to do that. So this is the smallest population, Black Knight says, that has ever been since at least 2000 when they began tracking this metric. So they don't really know, but I mean, 472,000. Now, conservatively, there are 80 million. It probably is more, but I'm going with a lower number. So just, this number is actually probably bigger. But I think there's about 80 million mortgage properties here in the United States. There's about 145 uh, housing units in this country. And I think 30, 40% of them are without a mortgage. So I yeah, got some rough numbers here. So this is just off the top of my head or just some rough numbers. 80 million mortgage properties means that that's only 0.5% of properties are available to refi. And I mean, let's face it. If you're someone who's sitting on a rate that's like 6% and at no point in these last 20 years, 30 years, you were like, hey, maybe we should refi. I don't think you're going to be refining now. And it was funny because I was when I was writing my blog post about this, what I thought about was that scene from The Simpsons where Homer's Krusty the Clown and then the Hamburglar or whatever shows up and he starts beating the Hamburglar up. 
And the kid in the audience is like, stop, stop. He's already dead. And I was thinking, and I posted that because I was talking about all of these uh, mortgage lenders out there who just went nuts during the refi and became like major, like they were the majority of the loans they were doing by far, like 80, 90% were refis. And I was thinking about them and I mean, these rates go up and I'm like, it's no longer like they've been beaten down. Like, I mean, they have been like murdered by these rates because they're 0.5%, 0.5% throughout the entire country. Doesn't make sense to refi. So, I mean, basically the only option, if you're like a shop and all you do is refis, you just have to convince people to do cash outs. But I mean, it doesn't even make sense. I mean, unless they were taking out a ton of money and they needed it. Uh, I mean, as of right now, I mean, it just, it, it, it wouldn't make sense at all. And so, I mean, they're just, they just got, oh man, it, it, it's not been a good year for them. I mean, this week was just, was just the final final nail in the coffin so yeah yeah but like i said i mean rates move all around and if you look at what's happening with mortgage-backed securities and we saw some good movement uh with regards to rates and so i mean they were much higher the rates that we saw on i think it was thursday morning versus you know what happened towards the end of the week so i mean it's just it's variable we all know that but yeah it was it was a rough week, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. And on that note, we're going to call it a week. So you guys enjoy your Friday. And I'm actually, I'm not going to be here on Monday. Monday is a federal holiday. It is Juneteenth, which of course became a federal holiday last year. Probably took longer than it should have taken. Um, for that to become a pretty, pretty awesome event here in the United States. And so I'll be off on Monday, but I'll be back Tuesday for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. So you guys enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. If you have a three-day weekend, enjoy it. Either way, I will talk to you on Tuesday morning. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. 